Coming up on Mayo Clinic Q&A. Community engagement is an ongoing process and it's an evolving process of the multi-directional partnership or collaborations amongst organizational entities and members of the community. And the sole purpose of this is to solve problems and kind of address priorities that the community sees as being priorities for them. Mayo Clinic is committed to being a proactive partner of diverse and underserved populations and engaging these communities in research is an important part of addressing health disparities. Having the support of Mayo in our community has really helped us to see that there is something we all have in common. We want to do better. And I think that this partnership, for me, it just started with the beginning of a learning process for our communities. And I was so appreciative of the experts who allowed themselves to just immerse themselves into the community. Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm Didi Steepen sitting in for Dr. Helena Gazelka. The work of raising up community voices and including community engagement in research is important to addressing healthcare disparities. One initiative from the National Institutes of Health has been the SEAL program, which stands for Community Engagement Alliance Against COVID-19 Disparities. Joining us to discuss community engagement research are Dr. Chaik Daubney and Eula Dean. Dr. Daubney is the director of Mayo Clinic's Center for Health Equity and Community Engagement Research, and Ms. Dean leads the Mayo Clinic Arizona SEAL Consortium. So welcome both of you to the program. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Of course. So Dr. Daubney, we'll start with you. Can you explain the concept of community engagement in research? What is health equity and why is it so important? Well, really, thank you so much for having the two of us on this uh, show. It's, it's really important for us to speak about these issues. Um, you know, so community engagement is an ongoing process and it's an evolving process of multi-directional, I say multi-directional, partnership or collaborations amongst organizational entities and members of the community. And the sole purpose of this is to solve problems and, and address priorities that the community sees as being priorities for them. I, I wanna go one step further to explain a little bit about community engagement because it's based on principles that practitioners in the field have identified as important to the core of community engagement. And these are, in no particular order, um, understanding the community well before you engage, maintaining, making sure that the community maintains ownership and control of the change that you intend to make, trying to make, and having shared goal or vision, because imagine going into a place and not having a shared vision with the community. They don't really need what you're trying to offer, and that doesn't go well. Um, and making sure a partnership or partnerships are established with community or community members before you embark on any change or process you're trying to make with the community. And mobilize community assets. You think about community as having needs, but many communities, if not all of them, have assets that should be drawn on to address the issues that the community identifies have been important. Another is being flexible and adaptable. And the second to last is committing to a long-term partnership because the, these issues that we seek to address oftentimes require long-term partnership in working together. And the last, and what we've introduced recently to this mix is being trustworthy. And this is from the perspective of the community. So you also ask about health equity and health equity is really central to this. And um, the National Academy of Medicine perspective uh, wrote something that I want to read because it's important. Uh, 
in their own words, that it is only with community engagement that it's possible to achieve and accelerate progress towards the goal of health equity through transformed systems of health. I, I do so because it's important to see the link between community engagement and health equity. And that's really important. So let me also then share with you what CDC and many people define health equity in many different ways. And, and it's not, there's no single way toward it. But health equity is achieved when every person has the opportunity, right, to attain its or our highest or full health potential. And no one is left behind because of social disadvantage. And what is really central to this, Gide, is this. It has the concept of fairness and justice built within it. And what we measure in, in research and in healthcare is what we call as health disparities, which are the manifestations of, of uh, health inequities. And these health disparities, uh, such as you know, Black people, but in proportion to their population, size of the population, have higher numbers of people dying from heart attack or cancer. And I say, no, it's this country's experience. Um, you know, a lot about racism also builds into these health inequities and disparities. Absolutely. Yula, tell us a little bit about your background and your role in community research with Mayo Clinic and why health equity is important to you. Well, let me begin by saying that I grew up in the rural South in a very large family on, um, on a plantation. Very few in my generation are still around that actually had this background. Um, but I really saw this growing up in poverty and began to feel this sense of inequity in healthcare when one of my little nephews um, had a seizure and my father rushed him to the hospital. And even though we had a health card for him because his mother worked in New York and had a Blue Cross Blue Shield health card, he was denied healthcare because they didn't believe it was real. And only after my father was forced to pay almost all the money he had in his wallet did they take care of my nephew. So that was really, and I was a very young girl at that time, the beginning of my really feeling that something about this wasn't real. So as I developed as an educator, I felt the need to share whatever I knew in my community I felt the need to be out um, sharing a word of honesty and truth. So I became a teacher for that reason. And so my association with Mayo and with the SEAL um, group has really manifested in my desire to want to, to be a part of helping my community with awareness. And I think I was just really blessed when I received the call. I can't tell you, I wish I had known to raise my hand and say, I want to be a part of that. But then I was asked to be a part of it because I have really been a force in the community by um, trying to make sure that our community has a level of awareness. And so that's where I, I would say my place began. And that's where my place continues to manifest itself. That's wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, for both of you, uh, why has it been important for communities and researchers, researchers to work hand in hand during the COVID pandemic? And are there any specific examples that you could give? 
I don't know. Well, you want me to start? Okay, I'll start. Um, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> you know, um, from the um, first descriptions we provided, it's clear that being a partner, being in partnership is really important. And that partnership has to be genuine, needs to respect each other. And um, it allows us, and a key part of this is that it allows you when you are working together to focus on the priorities that matter to the community. We often think we know what people need, right? I can tell you from my many, many years, if not decades of experience, we're often wrong. And community members are very knowledgeable. So that partnership and co-creation and co-learning, um, and I want to try to state this as clearly as I can, allows us to create things that are attentive and aligned to the cultural, uh, preferences and needs of the community um, and are more likely to be used by the community because it's from the community. So that to me was really important uh, to, to but I'd love to hear what uh, you like you think about this. Thanks. I think the thing that first comes to mind for me is honoring differences. You know, we, we look alike because we have similar skin color depending on our neighborhood. But we're different. We worship differently. We have different habits. We have different traditions. And I think one of the uh, things that in the midst of this pandemic, it has forced us to recognize what we want to be alive, ways we want to be alive, but it has forced us to recognize our differences in the manner in which we do things. And it's forced us to recognize our traditions but at the same time, there was one commonality and working with the SEAL group and having the support of Mayo in our community has really helped us to see that there is something we all have in common. We want to do better. We want to learn. We may want to learn it at a different pace. We may want uh, different techniques in the way it's offered to us, but we want to make our own choices. But none of us have denied ourselves that actual opportunity to learn. And I think that this partnership, for me, it just started with the beginning of a learning process for our communities. And I was so appreciative of the experts who allowed themselves to just immerse themselves into the community and teach at all of the various levels. So let's talk a little bit more about the NIH SEAL program. Can you kind of describe what it is and the work that each of you did as a part of SEAL. Yeah, so SEAL is, um, and I can start that. Um, uh, SEAL was um, created um, as a direct response to gaps that the federal government saw as to uh, all responding to the pandemic. And um, it was created in part to try to help more people from backgrounds of color, African-American people, Hispanic, Latino, Native American people who are seeing a disproportionate share of the pandemic's impact to participate in the clinical trials and vaccines. And I was one of those participants and you wouldn't know that from my voice. Um, and, um, and so it was created to make sure that we made these clinical studies accessible and open to them. And the other important thing that I talked about earlier that is um, underpins SEAL is trust. Um, you know, during the pandemic, there was a lot of issues around mistrust, misinformation, 
hesitancy, call it, is still around. It hasn't gone away. And, and so NIH realized that it's important to create these solutions locally. And so we were assembled as a state, as a statewide consortium across Arizona to come together to create these solutions. I'll give an example. Um, you know, actually, Dr. Dean was the one who told me that one of the ways we can think about this is this. You know, when we had a uh, polio um, and they got polio vaccine with your grandfather, right? At that mm -hmm. time. Yeah. yeah, and they came back and celebrated. And guess what? Now polio is uh, eradicated. So vaccines work. And we just have to be able to find people who people trust. And so we use the SEAL initiative to create trusted messages where we'll say, okay, these are the challenges, what do, how do we do it? And the partners around the table do that. And I can also tell you, uh, our SEAL has been a leader nationally in being able to identify some of the priorities and we take those to the national place because there are 20, 21 states, including Puerto Rico and DC, Washington, DC, that are part of the SEAL consortium. So it's um, basically a community alliance for, that creates um, trusted messages, deliver those messages using trusted uh, members of the community, using means that the community identified as being effective, and working with the community as vehicles of those transmission, and making sure that what we were doing and seeing made sense to the community, because they would tell us, <laughs> Dr. Dalbeni. <laughs> Workforce issues have built a big issue for us. You know, mental health is big. We just did a webinar on it. Dr. Dean, I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. <laughs> yeah, <been> absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I think that one of the things that helped was we started to identify individuals in the community who had the respect, who were already working in the community, whether they were located in our churches, whether they had uh, positions of power in terms of their work in terms of the workforce. But I thought that that was very helpful. And it, it, tend, it opened some doors for us to really be able to walk into our community and say, look, you know me, you've heard from me before. And um, almost all of us had experienced some form of rejection in healthcare in terms of not having been treated or some form of disrespect. So we had to honor and listen to those concerns and then say, but here's who we are, here's, here's the healthcare system, here's what we offer. And you know, I, I go back to the very first webinar that we did and um, we really placed ourselves in a very humble position of saying, we want you to know what's happening with COVID-19. And so we are bringing this information to you. And we allowed them to ask their questions. And I think it made a difference. We wish that every step of the way could have been 100% perfect. And we understand that we still have struggles. But I believe that the manner in which we started with an humble heart to say, this is what I've learned. Here's my expertise. I love my family. I want my family to be healthy. I think those were the things that made a difference for us to be able to offer this information. Absolutely. For each of you, what do you hope to achieve through the work that you're doing in community-engaged research? 
I'm going to start with that because I think that one of the areas that we've had our greatest fear is being willing to step up and say, okay, I will sign my name on the paper and I'm willing for my body to be used and I'm willing to uh, participate in this study. That's been very difficult for many of our communities because of history. And so what was important and what I think is happening is Mayo didn't force it on us. It's male and the healthcare system in our community, because it is a partnership of healthcare systems, um, has taken it slowly and is gingerly inviting us to the table. And I think that that has been very helpful. So I see progress. And I see even in my own, whether I'm knowledgeable or not, has nothing to do with it. It's, you look back at your history. And you say, but I know how you treated me. I know what my family's experienced. But I think that many of us have overcome because we've had a consistent return on our investment, meaning that you are listening to us. And so that's what we hear. And now we're more open to allowing ourselves to be participants. And to build on that uh, just a little bit and, and keep it brief, is. Um... You know, at the core of it, and as Dr. Dean stated, what we want to do as researchers is to be able to build trust, last and trust, and be trustworthy so that people can believe in science that's produced, can believe in and trust healthcare that they need to get, and also get an opportunity to get that healthcare in a way that aligns with their needs. But there's also an important thing that we've learned through our communities during this process. Um, you know, through community engagement and partnerships, we are better positioned to work together to address the kinds of mundane things, the unexpected, the pandemics, and other things that life will throw at us as a people. And through those partnerships, we can work together as a group to address them. So community engagement and engaged research can allow us to be stronger for when the next crisis may come along. To me, that's the one of the most important things that I've taken away from this. And I can tell you, I've learned a lot from Dr. Dean. She has only missed one meeting, you said, and that was because <laughs> you could not avoid it. She has been to all of her meetings. She's been very honest with us and sharing with us and telling us when we needed to hear her. Try to you know, write us when she felt we were going the wrong direction. That's what we need from our communities. We don't need our communities to agree with us, but to guide us. And we've been very fortunate to be working with lots of uh, really great people in the community who really believe in this partnership. And I think that puts us in a better place for the next crisis if it comes. Well said. Well, thank you both for the amazing work that you've done. Our thanks to Dr. Tyke Dalbany and Eula Dean for being here today to discuss community engagement in research and its role in addressing health disparities. Thank you both. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org, then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well. We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.